Well, again, uh, it's good to see you here this morning, this 2nd of January, 2011. And it's my hope and expectation for 2011 that you and I will learn more this year of what it means for Christ to have preeminence in our lives. That's the memory verse for us uh, that's in your bulletin. I think it's in your bulletin, a memory card. And uh, Colossians 1, uh, 17 and 18. And I'll be touching on that later on in this uh, shortened up message uh, here this morning. We want to be able to spend time uh, in communion at the Lord's table. Um, It's interesting in looking at the next passage in Romans 15. And Paul is opening up his missionary heart to us now. He's basically now shifted into closing up the letter but it takes him a little while to close the letter. He's got a number of things that he wants to mention. So we're in Romans 15. And uh, it's what I want us to focus on today. His outlook. He's sharing his missionary heart. And so thus we get his perspective on what he's, what he's all about. And I want us as believers in this day and age to be able to join up with Paul in his perspective, his outlook. Okay? So, 2011, great expectations. There's three perspectives that we, we find in this passage, Romans 15, four, verse 14 through 19. There's three perspectives. And these are the perspectives, these are the outlooks that I want to encourage us to take with us today and through this year. All right? So, the first perspective, number one, is toward others. This is very basic. It's, it's not anything profound, but it, here it is. Very basic things. Your perspective towards other people in your life. And Paul gives it to us, and um, we see it in verse 14. Concerning you, my brethren, I myself also am convinced that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, and able also to admonish one another. So, he's got this perspective towards others and it's about lovingly commending them. That's letter A in your outline. Lovingly commending them. Now, if your family is like my family, there's a tendency that we can be a little more complaining to one another in our family. More about griping and, uh, you know, murmuring Because it's what? It's our family. And we let the walls down a little bit. But you come to church and hey, you know, hey, it's great to see you. How you doing, huh? All right. But here, Paul is saying to this church, this congregation, I commend you. And he's looking at it in in this positive light saying, you're full of goodness. You're full of goodness. Can you and I see that with other Christians? Or are we, are we so focused on the negative stuff that we're kind of being the griper? And he can say you're full of goodness only for one reason, and that is the Spirit of God's work in their lives. 
And that's the only reason we could say, so-and-so, hey, you're, you, you're a really nice person. You, it's like, they're, aren't, aren't they great? You know, they're full of goodness. That's the work of the Spirit of God in their life. Don't you get it in the idea that, oh, they're just really, they're a better saint than I am. They're really up there close to Jesus. You know what? There's not that kind of a, a pecking order in the kingdom of God. There are many religious circles that do that. They, they put those pecking orders there. But you know what? If you're a Christian, if you are washed in the blood of Jesus Christ, if you are pardoned of your sins, if Christ's righteousness is accounted to your account, then you, you're full of goodness. You, you, are, you have His righteousness. And you're a part of the family of God. Okay? So, full of goodness. It's only because of the Spirit of God. Now, there's an example here. Amongst these three things that he commends them for, it's, you know, it's an example to, for us to be building others up with. We take this passage and we say, let's, let's put this kind of thing into action. What are we looking for in others? Okay? But it also serves as motivation for us. Do you want to be filled with goodness? And do you want to recognize it in others? It goes both ways. So let's be a people that are like that. They're recognizing, wow, they're full of goodness. Praise the Lord for the work of God in their lives. Okay? You know, it's interesting. I think of Kelsey getting baptized here, and I think of a person um, coming to faith in Christ. You know, the person that comes to faith in Christ, do they have all the points down? Do they have all the theological points down? I haven't met a one. That all they, they are, they're uh, a new creature in Christ. They're, they're a Christian. They're a follower of Jesus. And they've got all the theological points memorized. No, they don't come that way. You know what they come with? Love for Jesus. They love Jesus. Because he has rescued them out of a sinful condition. You know, we didn't start picking on Kelsey up there about, oh, you know, are you going to, you know, now be living a perfect life? Or, you know, no, she's not. Neither one of, none of us will. But it's now a, a matter of, of, here's growth. Here's maturing in the faith. And that's the way it's supposed to be for everyone here who says, I'm a Christian. Okay? So, full of goodness. What's the next one? Filled with all knowledge. Now, there's some people here that have a, a better, a higher IQ than everyone else. You know? But that's not saying that, you, you know, again, you, you, you're up on the top of the pecking order here because you've got the higher IQ. No, everyone who says they're a Christian ought to be learning to love God's truth more and more and welcome it into their lives and have it so that when you get into a a particular situation and you get squeezed with that situation, what's going to come forth out of your life? Slander or swearing? Or God's doing a work in my life. I don't know what it is, but... I'm going to trust him. 
see, all too often, some of that old flesh stuff comes popping out. When we get squeezed in tough times, we, we just reach back into our bag of here's what we lean on, here's what we do, and we start, you know, complaining, griping, murmuring, complaining, all that. And so God wants to do his work in your life so that when the situation, when the circumstances press in on you, you're going to come forth with, I will trust you, O Lord. I'm going to praise your name, O Lord. I'll bless your name. I don't know what's going on, but God's doing something. Okay? It goes beyond this, but filled with all knowledge. Are you growing in the things of the word of God? See, that's something that God wants to work in your life. And church is supposed to help that momentum go. It's not for you to wait till next Sunday to be in the word. But you're, you're to be spending time in the word on your own so that you'll grow. And this is just going to supplement it right here. See, God doesn't dwell in his children's lives just on Sunday morning. Right? So, spend time with him in the word. Kelsey's testimony referred to that. Like newborn babes long after the pure milk of the word. Okay? You know, we, grandma and grandpa could do nothing to deter Wyatt from the bottle of milk. He wanted that bottle of milk when he was here at vacation time, you know. Nothing's going to deter him. He wants that milk. That's the image in 1 Peter chapter 2. That you long for the pure milk of the word so that by it you may what? Grow in respect to salvation. God wants you, child of God, to mature into a strong child of God. Into a trust in young adult. You know, an adult, first, first John chapter 2. Okay, that reference there. Then, here's the, the next one, is kind of a tough one. Look at it in verse 14. He's commending them that they are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, and able also to admonish one another. You really want to know what that's all about? <laughs> that's, it's not necessarily a fun one. It's when someone comes up to you and says, Hey, brother, hey, sister, in Jesus, um, I need to tell you something. I think what you're doing is wrong. There's an admonishment there. And it's got to be based in the Word of God and full of all goodness. They they connect like that. It's it's for someone's good. It's 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 done out of love. And all too often... You try and do that to a person and they have, you know, some, a lot of times the situation is one where they've already convinced themselves that God has allowed them to do something. That God's, you know, cleared the way, given them access to do this. And yet, actually, they're, they're transgressing what the Bible has said. Okay. And more and more in our culture, folks, listen, in our culture, when you try and go to someone and share the truth of the word in a sense of in ad- admonishing them or encouraging them, you're not going to find a, a lot of times a, an open welcome to it because the culture is so strong and we, we look at them and say, who do you think you are? How, what gives you that right? Well, see, 
you're just trying to do what Scripture is saying. And a lot of times, Christians that are trying to do the right thing end up getting judged because they're judging this person. You follow that? (laughs) Who do you think you are? Don't judge me. And that's not the, the wise individual from the book of Proverbs. Okay? There's wisdom in the multitude of counselors. You're, you're wanting to, to say, if someone came to me and said this, I want to evaluate it. I want to examine it. Is it true? Philippians 4 says this also. Is this true? Am I lacking in this? Did I say this? Did I do this? I need to examine it. So that what? Growth might happen. Maturity might happen. Christ-likeness might come about more and more. And again, we all recognize it. No one wants someone, hey, come up and admonish me. You don't have those signs on you. (laughs) But nonetheless, it's something that God gives us here. And it's mentioned other places in the New Testament. Okay? So, this helps us understand how we are thinking of others. And it's, I want to start, you know, with this point here. Number one, it's it's an outlook towards others. So much of your life, my friend, is built on your relationship with others. And the success or failure in that regard, really, it's something that is, it's, it can be really a blessing then or very frustrating, depending on how you function with others. It's getting a biblical mindset in this way. So, full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, able to admonish one another. Okay? Secondly, the second outlook is toward yourself. Look at verse 15 and 16. Verse 15 and 16. But I have written very boldly to you on some points so as to remind you again because of the grace that was given me from God to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles, ministering as a priest the gospel of God that my offering of the Gentiles might become acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. And here, Paul shares with us a little bit, and it all starts with what? Starts with grace. That's what our lives as believers must be built on, and that's what everything has to spring forth from is grace. Okay? Built on your life built on grace. And that's a lot of times, you know, do we really understand grace? We never will fully, but the more you spend time in the Word of God and learning the riches of it, the more we're gonna understand what grace is 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 about. It it is amazing. Okay? But it starts with grace. You understand that all you are and all that you do has got to be based on His grace. Grace is that gift that you received that you didn't deserve. Okay? You didn't deserve it. God gives it out of His vast domain, His, His wonderful ways. Now, here's the question with this point about toward, your outlook toward yourself. How did Paul see himself? Look at the passage here. Look at verse 15, uh, 16. How did he view himself? What was his perspective on himself? He viewed himself as a priest. 
and we all kind of think in the back of our minds, oh, but I'm not like Paul. Oh, stop right there. Are you a Christian? If you're a Christian, then you need to view yourself in a similar way. You could say priest. You could say servant. You could say child. All sorts of things that come from the word of God. This is what I am in God's eyes. Here's who I am. My perspective of myself. How do you see yourself? And this is where I find a lot of um, hurting people. Because it's the way you think of yourself is faulty. The way you think of yourself is all too often according to the world. The world's kind of lineup. The world's kind of uh, mindset. And you're joining in with that mindset by saying, well, I'm not this, I'm not that, I'm this, I'm this. And I just don't quite measure up. And listen, again, referring, you heard Kelsey's testimony, the barrel of a gun. And for a lot of young people, it's that or a knife or drugs or something because they don't match up or they don't quite get it. And so how do you see yourself? This is so critical. And it's as simple, if you're a child of God, it's as simple as saying, okay, I want to grab a hold of a verse like Mark chapter 10, verse 45. The Son of Man came not to serve, I mean, came not to be served, but to serve. There it is. The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and give His life a ransom for many. The idea of giving is just, it's there. There it is. You keep giving according to, here's, here's what God's trying to do in your life. Yield to that. Desire that. Hunger for those things. Blessed is he who hungers and thirsts after the world's approval. No, blessed is he who hungers and thirsts after righteousness. And that's what the book of Romans is about. Man lacks righteousness. God in his glory and his greatness gives him righteousness through what? Here's the ladder. You better work at it. Work at it. Work at it. No. Here's the righteousness of God given in Christ Jesus, the perfect one. Okay? So, just ask yourself, how have you been seeing yourself? And how do you see yourself this year, new year? Well, that's why we put this in the bulletin. If you, you've got to get a bulletin to check it out. A little bookmark or a little uh, refrigerator marker. But remember to flip it over because there's two sides. How do you see yourself? Are you a Christian? Then this applies to you. If you're not a Christian, you need to come to faith in Jesus Christ. And then once you do that, He will do His work in your life. But until you come to faith in Christ, the Bible says you're spiritually dead. You're blind to the truth and the light of the gospel. You need to come to faith in Christ. Repent of your sin. Acknowledge your sin to a holy God and call out to Christ for His covering. Trust in Jesus Christ. 
how do you see yourself, Christian? Here it is. Let's say that first one together. Just read it off the bookmark. John 1, 12. I am God's child. Say it again. John 1, 12. I am God's child. You know what happens? All too often, we are not thinking that. We're not thinking that I'm God's child. Because here comes the trouble, here comes the circumstances, and all of a sudden we get locked in thinking, what am I going to do? Oh, I can't do this. Oh, I can't. No. And, then, and then our response is, oh, I need someone to help me. I've got to have somebody help me. When all along, I am God's child needs to call out to Abba, Father. You need to call out to Him. And you can go down this list and continue to convince yourself. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Let the Bible say it for you. And read the verses and take them in. Take them to heart. Treasure God's Word. So I hope that you'll take this and use it. Use it as a bookmark. Fold it up. Keep it in your wallet, your purse. Keep it with you. It's going to help you. Okay? So... I didn't tell you what letter 2A is. Toward yourself is it's what Paul was doing. Living with God-driven purposes. God-driven purposes. Okay? That's point A under number 2. We've got to move on. Number 3, the next outlook is obviously toward God. Toward God. Look at verse 17. Therefore, in Christ Jesus, I have found reason for boasting in the things pertaining to God. <laughs> and Paul is, is famous for this. I'm going to boast in Christ. I will boast in Jesus. I will give Him glory. Look at verse 18. For I will not presume to speak of anything except for what Christ has accomplished through me, resulting in the obedience of the Gentiles by word and deed. He was a missionary. He's sharing his missionary heart. Here's the result. Gentiles coming to faith in Christ. Their lives were changed. Read 1 Thessalonians. Verse, uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 and 2. Talk about it. You were once going after idols, you Thessalonians. You were going after idols and you turned and you followed after the living God. And Christian, that's what you have said you've done. You've said you've done that by, ex, you know, by acknowledging that you're a Christian, a Christ follower, is that you've turned from idols to serve the living God. He's no longer in the grave. Hallelujah. He's risen. He's risen indeed. Okay? So... Your outlook toward God is to give Him glory. And that's why I say here in letter A, under number three, learning to do... Are you ready for this? Sounds like some gymnastic move here. Learning to do the triple G. Write it down. I'm serious. Learning to do the triple G. Okay? And you're maybe expecting me to do a, a half gainer off the platform or something? I'm not going to do that. I can't. But here's what a triple G is. Give God glory. Give God glory. Or God gets the glory. <laughs> you say it however you like, but give God glory. And that's your outlook today, Christian. 
And those that would say, well, I'm not a Christian. God will get the glory. Philippians chapter 2. Every knee will bow. Every knee will bow and confess that Christ is glory, Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So that's what heaven's about, my friend. Heaven's about all the glory goes to God. And so, Christian, you and I have to get to doing that here and now so that others might see, so that others would hear, okay? So it's simply that. Simply and consistently give God glory. Let's, let's work at that. 1 Corinthians 10. Write these scriptures down. Just write them down in your outline. 1 Corinthians 10, 31. So then, whether we eat or whether we drink, it's for His glory. And Paul takes the idea of eating and drinking because those are the basic things you do in life. You wake up and... I mean, you had a cup of coffee right away or a glass of juice or you had a piece of toast. or what? You eat. You're going to leave here and you're going to go eat. <laughs> yeah. And so this is a basic thing in life. Whether you eat or drink, give God the glory. Now, if you do that at McDonald's all the time, I'm not sure how you do that really. <laughs> no. But give God the glory and then let that expand beyond eating and drinking to here's my work. Here's what I do at home. Um, Give him, uh, when we say give him glory, we mean give him credit. Kelsey did that up here. She gave God glory and gave him credit. She, you know, and we as Christians, we must praise God. And the Bible says, give him um, the glory that's due unto his name. That's giving him glory. Give him thanks. Give him your family. Give him your work. Give him your bank account. Give him these things. You are giving him glory. What are the things that are dear and close to your heart? You say, well, it's my, it's my business. It's my, my spouse. It's my children. It's my grandchildren. It's my money. It's this. It's my possession. Give him these things. Let him be in control. Give him glory. He's the, he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. How does that song go? You know, the wealth in every mine. And you and I sit back hoarding our things. No, no, no. Give him glory. He is God. He is God most high. Okay? Other passages of scripture psalm 115 verse 1 just mark it down psalm 115 verse 1 psalm 29 verse 1 and 2 psalm 92 verse 1 and 2 these are passages that help us to remind ourselves it's not to us it's to god give the glory to god and ask him to help you through this day and this week and this month and this year to be that kind of person that has the outlook. And as we close and, and shift into our communion time, look on the back of your bookmark. You see the top one says, My Significance. Okay, you can read through some of those. And then this last one is just one verse, My Success. 
you know what it boils down to? My success, it's not about your, you know, how much you climb up in the work ladder or whatever you accomplish here. It's what he does. And this is, here's Colossians 1, 17 and 18. That he has first place in everything. I stand before you here today, I, you know, I want to grow, I want to change. Have I, have I got every area of my life nailed down to where Christ is first in my life? I have to humbly say no. Each one of us needs to say, God, show me where I need to change. Point it out to me, God, and help me then to walk in the power of the Spirit of God. Under the control of you, O oh God. Help me to do that. This morning, as we, you know, shift into the communion time, what will your outlook be this year? What's going to be your outlook on things, on people, on yourself, on God, on situations? Let me ask you this, too. How will you view the unexpected in your life? Everyone in here knows, except for maybe the little children, there's going to be unexpected things happening in your life this year. Right? How are you going to handle those things? Will you be overwhelmed? Will you be swamped by the circumstances? And it very well be, might be that that'll happen. Something might come up in your life and you will feel like you are overwhelmed. That you cannot handle it. And I can't give you the, the reasons behind it, but I know one thing. If you're a Christian, if you're a child of God, God's getting your attention. And you need to trust Him. All of us, pretty much all of us in here, have expected, I mean, have had something unexpected happen. That we just got knocked over with. Bowled over with. I want to be, with God's help, I want to be an overcomer. I want to overcome these things that happen. I want to point people to Jesus. I want to see people grow in their faith. I want to see people that will say, I don't know what's going on, but I'm trusting God in this. And you know what? I see that happening in you, Parkside Bible Fellowship. Yeah. We need to see that more and more. And we need to encourage one another in this more and more. If I'm going to be an overcomer, and if you're going to be an overcomer with all the things that come, it means that I and you, that we have to be fixed you know, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Hebrews chapter 12. We have to do that. And not just on Sundays. We need to rely on Him, on His power, on His accomplishments. And so, we come to communion. And you know what He accomplished? He went to the cross. And most of you know, but I'm going to say this again. The cross was not some piece of jewelry. 
The cross was one of the worst, one of the cruelest, one of the most brutal ways of execution that man had. And everyone feared it. And Christ, you know what? Christ did not. At one point in the Garden of Gethsemane, he asked, Oh, Father, not my will, but your will be done. If if you take this cup away, right? He struggled with that. But he came back because his... The Old Testament prophesied this, that his face was set like flint to do what he had to do. And that was to go to the cross and be executed. And it wasn't just man, it was God's wrath that fell on Christ at the cross because Christ was the sin bearer. He bore your sins and mine at the cross. And the wrath of God came upon Christ. That's why he cried out, Father, why hast thou forsaken me? Because God turned from His very own Son. Christ bore the sins of the world in His body. And He took the punishment. Not only man's punishment of whipping and you know the, all the scorn, all the mocking, all that. But God's punishment of the wrath of God. That's why when you believe, you are free. You have been pardoned. The wrath of God fell on Christ for you. And so we remember that when we partake of communion. Christ died in our place. And He did it in such a way that nothing has to be added to it. Man's redemption was purchased. A sinner's pardon was secured forever. Okay? Have you received the gift of salvation? If you have, this remembrance of partaking is for you. And through it, we remember what he did, but we also confess our sin to him. You don't come up to me and confess your sin to me. You confess it to him because there's one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. You, you confess your sin to him. 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us all of our sin. Cleanse us. And then, not only we remember, we confess our our sin, our shortcomings, our failures, and then we resolve. Okay? We resolve to do the triple G. Give God the glory. And let's go out and live this way then. With that in mind, Would the men please come who are serving?